JB and uh, sitting across from me is Paulie D. How's it going, JB? Going good. Uh, now, well, we got a lot of baseball talk to get to in a limited amount of time, but uh, first things first, Paulie D, we got to kick off the show like we did last time. Oh, it is Game of Thrones time. <laughs> Two episodes in, Paulie D and I have some opinions before we get to the sports. I talk. have, I have thoughts. Yeah, so I do I. Eric, we're going to set a timer on this, dude, just just so we don't get too off the rails. Right. I'm going to go ahead since we already ate into time a little bit. I'm going to set a 12 minute timer. All right. Now, before we kick this off, real fast, um, you and I, uh, we got beer because uh, Cersei always has wine. We figure this is a good. Uh, Way to live vicariously through uh, the Mad Queen. You know, yeah, or like, you know, uh, Tormund Giantsbane and his own horn of ale that he brings everywhere. Was it ale, though? It was uh, It was either that or Giant's Milk, but I think it was ale. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I definitely, I'm, I'm sporting a... Uh, hey, hey, what are you having? I'm sporting a, uh, a tasty, tasty Brooklyn lager. Okay. I got a... Uh... This is one I've had for a while. I've actually, I've actually been a fan of this for uh, for a good long time. I think I first had this back in two thousand nine. This is Twenty First Amendment Brewery Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer. Have never had it. It. I mean, do you like watermelon? Uh, you know, sure. Yeah, they're at a, a barbecue. They're it's a Utica brewery, so it's from upstate. So yeah. uh, you know that they can uh, they can do it. And they've heard of steamed hams. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it, <laughs> Polity loves The Simpsons. It's that's, right. a, that's a Mozart sonata. That whole scene. It's so beautiful. so Game of Thrones. First things first. Right. We've been at Winterfell with a couple with a maybe like a pit stop in King's Landing. Right. For two episodes now. It's a long been a long time. Yeah. So the White Walkers are are coming to Winterfell. We saw it at the end of last episode. Polity, what do you think is going to happen? You know. All right. So. Um, I mean, if we're gonna, if you want my predictions, we can do that. I mean, well, for, let's get into the philosophy you had about it. Let's try to like condense the philosophy between between the two episodes. Let's do this. So, episode okay. episode one. All right, what we saw in episode one, I think, was we saw our camps dividing up into the camps that they were going to remain for the foreseeable future. So just, right? like, just like establishing where everybody is, where they're going to be. Okay. You know, having your reunions, you know, maybe there's somebody, maybe there's a person or two that travels between the camps. Braun might be one of those. Yeah. Uh, although we don't know yet. We, we haven't seen him photographed going up, up to Winterfell or anything like that. But I think episode one was all about reunions, getting us back into the world and saying, okay, here are the sides that are in this thing. You know, in King's Landing, you've got Cersei and Euron, basically. And in Winterfell, I guess you got everybody else, right? Yeah. I mean, more or less. So Yeah, I mean, you got, uh, who, who else you got in the King's Landing? Uh, you got Kyburn. You right. Got, you got right. uh, the Mountain, whatever his name is right now, like that, that, that Frankenstein version of the Mountain. Right. And I think within each camp, what we want to know and what keeps us interested in these camps and what keeps us interested in episode one is we want to kind of we wanted kind of a hint about who's really playing for their own for their team and who's kind of running their own thing. Right. So in King's Landing, for example, does anyone not foresee Cersei somehow uh, double crossing Euron or vice versa? She can't afford to. The, I, like. But does I mean somebody's going to get double crossed there? They're both the okay. least trustworthy people we know. All right. Well, here's the thing with Cersei, Casterly Rock. Last I checked, is still was still in the hands of the Unsullied. They may they may just burn it to the ground before heading for winter. I th- I think it's been sacked. Yeah, I think yeah. it's all done. And and even before that, Tywin Lannister before he uh 
went full Elvis and died on the toilet. Where he really did. He really did. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I mean, uh, I've been wait, I've been waiting to break that out for a while. No, I mean, and, and they <laughs> and they had the and they had the tray of peanut butter and banana sandwiches on the thing. You didn't see it. It was quick, but it was a quick Easter egg. But you didn't see it. Tyrion passes it on the way to the privy. But yeah, no, you're totally you're totally right. He pulls an Elvis. Yeah, um, yeah. So and and he says, oh, the the last mine was was mine dry. So right now, Cersei needs the Ironborn and the Golden Company because she doesn't have anything to offer them. And they're the least trustworthy people ever, though. So as soon as they don't need her, it stands to reason. And everyone knows, if you've read the books or you've watched the show... Everyone- yeah, because you and I are two of probably the... I'm going to say maybe thousands, maybe like small millions of fans right. who, have, who have actually read all the books. Probably too. of the tens of thousands who have also read the books. Read, read all five of them. Right, right, right. Um, I mean, everyone knows if you've read the books, gold, you know, uh, uh, the Golden Company, first of all, is supposed to be only 10,000 men. They beefed it up to 20,000 for the purposes of the show. I understand that. It's poetic license. But everyone knows that swords are pretty fickle. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll fight for the gold, but they're not going to die for it. You know, and so I think as soon as things turn, I could see the Golden Company going, you know, whoever looks whoever looks like they're going to win the most, you know. So I think that's one of the things in episode one that, that we're kind of interested in. And up north, I think we see, you know, we get the first seeds of doubt in episode one is, you know, is the north really going to stay in the kingdom if Danny becomes queen? And we kind of have early indications, at least in episode one, that it's not. And I think those are reinforced in episode two. Right, J.B.? Yeah, I mean, because the North, even though they have been loyal to the Iron Throne in the past, they're still very much like they try to keep it at arm's length because like it's it's the old gods as opposed to the seven, right? Um, but going back to what you said about Cersei and Euron, how does Cersei double cross Euron without killing him? That's the million dollar question. But but that's but that's precisely what I think. I think as soon as she fe- because, because Yara Greyjoy is headed back to the Iron Islands because she's probably got some minimal support there. So once, if Yara takes the Iron Islands and word of it reaches King's Landing, I could see, although this isn't a prediction I would make, but I could see Euron's own Iron Fleet reporting and and swearing allegiance to Yara and not Euron. Why would they turn on him though? Because, well, um, they have no home to return to anymore. They need a home to return to. And Euron is crazy. He's yeah, a, the crow's eye. He's a pretty crazy guy. Yeah. You know, I could see him keeping like a small core and fighting his way through and kind of being a, you know, being a kind of wild card. But I could definitely, I could definitely see it happening. Yeah. Because I think we're beyond kind of where the books went, and, I, and I'm not sure this would even happen. I'm kind of surprised that the series, and that this is for those who have not who have not read the books. There's actually another Greyjoy brother besides Balin who who fell to his death thanks to Euron in the series. Right. Uh, we haven't seen Victorian Greyjoy. I am, I am so... I mean, he's not in the show, but I am, yeah. I am so surprised that they didn't use him. He's a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's huge. He's a, uh, For those who haven't read the books, he's a big warrior guy. He believes in the old way. He's a reaver from way back, you know. He, he's, kind of, he's kind of like Jorah Mormont, but like Sea Captain Edition. Sea Captain and Dumber. He's definitely dumber than Jorah Mormont. I don't think he's necessarily dumber. He his skills are just better utilized in other areas. Fair. Okay. I mean, that's a fair way to put l- l- it. Let's move on to episode two because we're because like we're already like getting off off the rails. Let's just absolutely, as I absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll do a special episode uh, later, maybe like after the emotional roller coaster that's coming next weekend. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> but, no, but so episode two. So if episode one is about sides or camps, you know, we divided everybody up into what sides they're going to take. So within those camps, we need to talk about the relate. You know. Uh, it's you know what relationships do we have in in there that that we don't want to that we don't want to lose and this is what really good war movies do 
mm-hmm. um, before a really huge battle is they is they focus on the relationships between the main characters to to help us realize what what's at stake. Right. And so episode two really takes its time. It's talking about the relationships between the characters. So you got Tormund and Brienne. Are they ever going to get the chance to get together? I'm not I'm not thinking they will, actually. No, I don't. I think I think Brienne has eyes for Jamie, But be that as it may, there's Arya and Gendry. Um, Yeah. If you read now reading the books, you read the books. Did you see this coming, Arya and Gendry? I ne- uh, no, because in the books, Arya is still a preteen in the books. She is, but you you start to get in the books though that kind of that preteenish, you know, wrestly kind of semi physical interactions with her and Gendry. That's what gave me the hint that this might I'd happen. Have, I'd have to reread Clash of Kings and all of Arya's chapters since then. It's when they're on the run. Okay. It's, it's when they're on the run it takes and when he, when Gendry finds out if you take a look at that I think you'll see maybe maybe the beginnings of something but I mean I wasn't terribly surprised because they're they're kind of wild cards I mean, in and of I, themselves I mean, based on what's happened in the series I'm talking the TV series I kind of saw that coming right 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 um and I was kind of I I don't know I that scene was kind of uncomfortable because it was like watching your little sister go at it. I mean, a lot of people felt that way. Um, I, I, di- I have to I have to say that um, I didn't know how old the actual actress was go- <laughs> going going into the it going. The, in- it was the number one search on Google in that moment. Like, how old is Maisie Williams? You know, because in 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 all, I'll say I really liked the scene. I understood where it was coming from and what was happening. Um, and and I liked everything about it, and I didn't have quite so much the little sister feel, but I, it did take me out of it right at the beginning a little bit, wondering about her age. I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, how old is she? But then I, you know, I go, she's like twenty two, so you yeah. know, she's she's per- certainly ready for a scene like that. And uh, you know, and then the scene is what it is. I am, however, surprised that they let her do full frontal nudity for that. They really didn't though. It was more like you had like a you had like a shot from the side, shot from the back. They didn't do any they didn't do much where it was like It wasn't a long shot, no. I bet yeah. you know, it wasn't it wasn't gratuitous. I and I'm and I'm also glad that it wasn't gratuitous, because if there's any yeah, show it, that could it, do it, gratuitous it, it, exposition, it's game. Of it Thrones. was it, you know, that scene wasn't was done in very good taste. Right. I thought I thought it was too. Yeah. And then you got Tyrion and Jamie. You got two brothers getting ready to die. You got Sander and Lord Barrick. You know, there's these there's these two guys meeting right on death's door who, quite frankly, should be dead already. Oh, yeah. You know, so you got two kind of living whites there. And then you got the big one. You got John and Danny, you know. I yeah. mean, if, if in episode one, we got the reveal that John's really the king. He's Aegon Targar- Targaryen, and we see yeah. his reaction. Mm-hmm. So in episode two, of course, they treat us to Danny's reaction. She didn't take it well, did she, JB? She really didn't. Because <laughs> um, like, you got to figure in... Because in the books, it's only been about only the time that has passed is, is maybe like let's say one to two years, right? Something like that, right? Here, it's clear that eight years have passed. Yeah, it's like, a long time. It is a long time. So, like, so poor Danny has spent close to a decade just trying to get to Westeros. Right, right. She finally gets there, has to jump through hoop after hoop after hoop, and then all of a sudden she finds out that she has no right to what she what what this journey has all been about. Right. Right, she's she's been wrong the entire time. Right, but I think I think in, and I think we saw at the end of the episode when they both run off because the white you know at, at the end of the episode the White Walkers are there. We're getting ready to start the Battle of Winterfell. Um, yeah, 
they're both going to climb on their dragons and they're both going to do their duty. I think they're still honorable enough right. to do that. We got a minute left on the timer, so let's just marathon down the down these bad. Oh these my god! Oh predictions. my god! Prediction time. Okay. The Night King doesn't go to Winterfell. Saw an article about that today. Yeah. I, I love it. Night King doesn't go to Winterfell, but his northern army tries to destroy it anyway and kill Bran. The Night King is going to go south. He's going to King's Landing. You heard it here first. Two, Tormund dies. He's got to die. He's he's left. He's outside. Brienne loves Jamie. Jamie's going to love Brienne. I'm going gonna, to disagree because, like, Tormund, he survived so much already. Like, I'm, I'm guessing he, this guy is going to be like a Timex, keeps a licking, takes on keeps on ticking. He could. Uh, three, Arya is, a Arya, Arya is a real bad lady in battle, and she kills at least one White Walker, but Gendry has to save her because, you know, that's I hope that's kind of the thing. Yeah. Uh, four, the dead rise in the crypts. Yep. And, and the little girl sounds the alarm. And Tyrion uses his wits to save everybody because he's mad that he's down there, but he's down there for a reason. No, Tyrion's not going to be able to reason with White Walkers. Uh, well, but he's going to be able to figure out a way out of it. Drinking and knowing things only goes so far. Well, you also got to know how to serve and fire, and I think Tyrion could do that. Uh, I think it's going to be awesome. And, you know, look, it, here's a fun fact. The be- <laughs> the be- I'll just say this. The Battle of Helm's Deep in the Two Towers was the longest battle scene ever filmed at 40 minutes. This yeah. is going to be double that. I can't wait. It's going to be epic. I cannot wait. All right, so now we're going to shift right to the baseball talk, like, you know, what we're actually supposed to do on the show. Right, right, right. Sorry, we, we got excited, as as should everyone. All right, so we agreed. Um, you're, you're the time master because I'm I'm an idiot and did not write this down. No, no, no. We we got it. Uh, we got 50, uh, 15 so, minutes. Okay. We got 15 minutes on the clock. All right, 15 minutes. The So last week... Uh, the oh, don't remind me. Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees faced off for a quick two-game set Oof. at at Yankee Stadium. It was rough. Uh, Paulie D, just how rough was it? Uh, you know, the way our starters were going coming in with a seven-plus ERA, I didn't, I didn't really expect to do well. And I think I said that last podcast. Uh, I didn't expect them to lose. How they lost, uh, but but I thought we'd be lucky to take one. Um, nobody was doing any, our pitches weren't pitching, our hitters weren't hitting and, 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 and it wasn't going to be good, but it ended up even worse. You know, yeah. it just somehow, somehow it was, somehow it was even worse than I thought the worst case scenario could be, I which was, was losing two games. Somehow uh, it was even worse than that. Between the Red Sox struggles with their rotation, the Yankees struggles with their bullpen, the Yankees struggles with staying healthy, all the various issues that are that are snake biting both of our respective teams. Right. I was expecting lots of lead changes, a lot right. of back and forth. Like, right. I, like remember that five game series in 2006? Oh man, where one game was like was like five and a half hours long, yeah, and yeah, it was yeah. a full nine innings. That was, it was. I, I remember I was driving home from uh, from work, and <laughs> I think it was an afternoon game, and I was. Uh, no, it was a Friday doubleheader. Was a Friday doubleheader. Yeah, this was the second game of the doubleheader. Oh no! So I, that that I was watching. Yeah, I was watching. They'd had they. I mean, they've had many such games, but yeah, no, that one. I, that one I was definitely watching at home. Is that the Jeter header in? To the seats game? No, that was a, that was uh, at Yankee Stadium in July of 04. Oh, okay. I, I remember where I was when I watched that one. What the G, the Jeter header into the seats game? That yeah. was like an ending fourteen, right? Something like that. Yeah, <laughs> it was really late. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, oddly enough, though, I went to I went to I I had like an ear problem a year or so ago. I went and I went to like uh, an ear, nose, and throat guy, and it was the same one who treated Jeter right after that. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. Nice well, guy. Yeah. Um. So yeah. <laughs> now it's uh uh the game one game one was a bummer for from a Sox perspective. I think because it's the first kind of 
it's the first kind of realization. We're, we're starting to have the realization that Chris Sale isn't really Chris Sale anymore. Right. He's not the Chris Sale he was last year and the year before and the year before that. He's somebody different. He can be really effective, but he's somebody different. And that's always a bummer as a fan. Yeah, because uh, from what I remember in that game, Sale had his velocity. He did. Yeah, he, he, he did. was hitting 97, but be, but the, his spin rate must have been off. Right. Because it was right out over the plate, and we just jumped on it. Right. Mike Talkman, of all people, went second deck in that game. I wish I'd picked him up for my fantasy team. Eh, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, that, I mean, game one, but game one, to me, if I'm, you know, from a Yankees perspective... Uh, th- all right, first of all, this Yankees lineup made of glue, wishes, and Clint Frazier. Who just got an MRI on his ankle. Uh, uh, we'll get to that one. That's amazing. Uh, but this Yankee lineup hung an eighth spot on Chris Sale and company. So that's depressing enough. But but secondly was James Paxton, Big Maple. Talk, I, talk to me about Big oh, Maple, baby. Big Maple. I am, <laughs> oh, I am, I know, he's fun to watch. I know that he's technically only got two years left on his contract. I may have to buy a Maple jersey at some point. Right. Because... His last start against Houston did not go well. No, he, it didn't. He, he was tipping his pitches. Right. It was later determined. Pitching on a windy day to the point where the broadcasters are saying, like, it's a, like it's astounding that he's, like, not walking off the field because the, the wind is that gnarly. But apparently, this is, and I think this is, this is a testament to how analytics forward the Yankees are compared to the Red Sox. Right. Paxton said ahead of the game, like he already talked to a sports psychologist about it, and apparently he sees one regularly. Now the Red Sox. I mean, it's good. And and by the way, I want to say good for him. Yeah. And good for any athlete who says, you know what, mental health is important, and I'm and I'm going to see somebody because that only sets an example for the rest of us. Exactly. Now, while the Red Sox are not as bad as the Mets. In the analytics department. No. They're, they're, we were originally forward thinking. We were yeah, originally first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, Because the, the Red Sox were the team that hired Bill James right. and, and started playing the money ball, but then went all these deeper stats like line drive rate, right. isolated power. Right. We may have been fit. left behind a bit. Yeah, you, you, you kind of uh, put like put that on the back burner, I want to say. Uh, and so, May, wh- I mean, I can't, I can't say that. I, I don't think either of us could say that for certain. It feels that way sometimes. Okay, so l- l- let me rephrase. Based on on-field performance, sure. Up until Alex Cora arrived, right. It was clear that the Red Sox were using analytics, but not to their fullest potential. Right, right, right. Okay, so, I'll, 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 yeah, I'll, I'll say that it looked that way. Yeah, yeah. and so then you, you get Cora, who comes from Houston, which is proud, which probably like steeped. Besides the Yankees, is the most analytically forward team in in all of in both leagues. Right, right. And so, really, they and were. And so yeah. maybe Sale needs to see a sports psychologist. Maybe yeah. his shoulder's barking. Right. Like, but either way, Paxton for him to to come out and say that, and I thought he was going to get lit up because because like I did not. Michael K, Michael K said he has said on his radio show, this Red Sox team is the same one that won the World Series. They're just minus their closer. Right. And so I and so I thought, look. It's the Yankees. The Red Sox always play a little harder against the Yankees. Mookie Betts and all those guys, they're just going to come out swinging. Right. And they did and struck out 12 times against Paxton. I mean, Paxton was throwing nothing but nothing but gas. His, his breaking balls 98, were— 98, 99. His, break, his, break, his breaking balls were, were absolutely filthy. And from my perspective, what made this game even more of a bummer than watching Chris Sale kind of not be Chris Sale and then watching our bullpen get knocked around a little bit— was realizing that I think the Yankees might have what the Red Sox have had 
see, probably since the early aughts, which is a which was a which is a stopper for the other team, right? Pedro, the Yankees couldn't for the longest time. The Yankees couldn't do anything against Pedro. Then it was Schilling in the early aughts. Then it was Beckett for a long time, and then they couldn't do really anything against Sale, you know, until until relatively recently. And, and Paxton looks like he's from that mold. He looks like somebody who's going to come out against the Red Sox, get up for the game, and throw a big one every mm-hmm. time out. He looks he looked great. He looked great in that start, and in his next start at Kansas City, he looked almost yeah, even better. Yeah, except for, I mean, the only difference between the Sox and Kansas City was that, uh, I'd have to go back and watch highlights, but Kansas City wasn't quite biting on his cutter as much as the Red Sox. No, they weren't. Uh, so he got a lot more, uh, quite a few more three-ball counts, only lasted six innings as opposed to eight. Right. Uh, but game two, this was uh this was the good game. This was a this was a rough one. Um, and this yeah. one this one was a bummer because if we got blown out, you know, eight nothing, ten nothing, right. we're just not a good team right now. And you say, well, I hope that's a wake up call. Yeah. But no, watching Evaldi go out there and shut the Yankees down for all intents and purposes for six innings, and then not come out for the seventh was a bit of a head scratcher for me. I, I think the Yankees, like, because we we've talked about this in, on previous episodes before, the Yankees did to him what they used to do to Pedro back in the day. Right. Just work the count up the wazoo, right? And then and then get him pulled in the sixth, and then just eat uh, the bullpen's your buffet. But you know he was only though at ninety four pitches at the end of that sixth inning. He should have come out for the seventh. You needed the game, and I know based on what we know now about Ivaldi with the loose bodies in the elbow and the surgery and the arthroscopy and all that. That's probably not the wisest thing to do in April. But at a certain point, if you want to win the game, you got to win the game, and he would have won the game for you because he lengthened, he shortens that bullpen by an inning, which at this point was crucial to this bullpen and. And they didn't do it, and instead they tried to put a guy in who, quite frankly, was not up to the moment. And Brandon Workman, all he had to do was come in and throw strikes, and he couldn't do that. You know, Brandon and Workman was looking a lot like end of his career Daniel Bard. He he was it was it was but. it was rough. I mean, he had he had some he had some, uh, he had some I, I think he had a good inning or two in Tampa Bay. I don't know exact I don't remember exactly what he did there, but he's bounced back a little bit. Yeah, and he lo- and he's looked okay. But he, he he the moment looked really really big for him when he was out there in Yankee Stadium, and he didn't look good. And he and he, and he quite frankly he just wasn't throwing strikes. And then you know and then in a panic move, I think. Cora brings in Brazier, and I think that's a straight panic move because he's not the guy who does that. He's not your fireman. Barnes is actually, you know, Barnes is the right. one who comes in with the dirty innings. Brazier, you've you've taken care of. You brought him in with clean innings only, and of course, Brazier gives up a home run. That's a home run nowhere else but Yankee Stadium. And I'll say that, and I'll say the same thing about Christian Vasquez's home run in Game Two. That's not a home run anywhere else. Yeah, he kind he kind of like hooked it down the right field line. It's a be, it's a it's a bellhorn home. It was a bellhorn home run. Yeah, you know. It was one of those kind of a cheap job. I'm telling you, like this is a a special little shout out for the amazing uh, Yankees boss, or one of the amazing Yankees bosses at at ESNY, Allison Case, who is a huge Brett Gardner fan, Mm -hmm. and constantly gets on me because I've been very critical of Brett Gardner. Right. Because I'll I'll say this much: I think that Gardner, his bat speed is gone a little bit. His line drive rate isn't 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 what it used to be. Uh, He's trying to. Be more of a, a pull line drive guy when he should be doing contact like he did yesterday. He got right. four hits against the Angels, and I said uh, in the in the Yankees Slack chat at ESNY, I said, I swear Gardner hears me talking trash because every time I'm critical <laughs> of him, he does something good. Sure enough, he's down 0-2 against the Red Sox with the bases loaded, and I'm in my kitchen doing something. I see he falls down 0-2, and I just go, Damn it, Gardner! Next pitch, grand slam, boom. 
Like and that was it. Maybe, maybe I got to keep being. Maybe I need to keep being mean to him. In the air came. Yeah, it, right. In the air <laughs> because that, that's the that's the precise reason, right? But the air came right out of the Red Sox after that one. And after that one, you knew you, you knew they weren't coming back. The, you know, and the bats really didn't. The bats really didn't come alive till the weekend at Tampa Bay, and it, which was a nice epilogue. Yeah, that that the Sox needed that. They really did. They 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 needed to they needed to beat. They needed to beat a team a lot. They needed to beat up on somebody, and, and I think they did that to a certain degree at Tampa Bay. And I, you know, and I really have to fault Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay had a chance to literally put the Red Sox out of the running for the division and didn't do it. They just didn't do it. They had a chance to step on the Red Sox throats and they failed. They just they just laid an egg. Well, to, to be fair, the Rays also dealt were were bit by the injury bug okay, that weekend. Austin Meadows, their best hitter who they got from the Pirates in the in the Chris Archer trade or their best contact hitter at least, he's out with a sprained thumb. Sure. Just got a, a note today, Joey Wendell who just came back from a hamstring Got hit, got hit by a pitch yesterday, and is now out with a broken wrist. Yeah, but I mean, that, I mean, that shouldn't have impacted them for that weekend series. All I'm saying is that you had a chance to put a team out of the running, and you couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. You couldn't, couldn't even come close. Yeah, you know, which is a which is a nice epilogue to the Sox Yankees series. But I have to tell you, we uh, that was that was as bad as I think it could have gone for the Red Sox. That 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 uh, that first two game set. As bad as it could could have possibly went, I think is you know losing one pretty handle, bruising one pretty handily, and then really thinking you had it in the bag and then getting it getting it ripped away from you. That's you know that's got to stay. And and not only that, I mean the Sox they have they had that um that three game they had the three game sweep of the um <clears throat> excuse me of the Rays and then you ju- you got swept in a doubleheader to the Tigers. And that was very uh, that was bummer. That um, that was one <laughs> no, no 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 like you laugh but uh, but it's watching rough. watching that especially Chris Sale during the dates. Yesterday, hey. I, I I literally felt bad for the Red Sox. Whoa, 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 whoa! Chris Sale looked okay during that game. Five okay. innings. Five His innings. Velocity was down again. Five innings. Ninety-four. You know, ninety-two to ninety-five. That's the pitcher he is. That's the pitcher he is. He is that guy now. It's okay. Guys get older. Guys age. You know, and it's and he. That's just the person he is right now. And he's just gonna have to deal with that and learn how to win that way. Because quite frankly, five innings, I can't turn my nose up at five innings, two earned runs in ten Ks. I can't. I can't do it. When your bull, when your bullpen's as bad as it is, you can't turn your nose up at that. No, well, I, look, you you know your your bullpen is what it is, and I think, and we'll get to that in a second. But I think I think help is on the way, and I think help might have already arrived. I real I believe I believe that. <laughs> Either way, I mean, like, if, if I'm the Red Sox right now, I mean, hats off to Alex Cora because he's held himself accountable. Right. In all his postgame pressers. Like, I, like, I'm not one to sing, to, like, say that I'm over the moon for Aaron Boone, even though I think he's done a great job, especially given the circumstances. Phenomenal job, I think. Yeah. But, like, Aaron Boone, after a bad loss, like, he's always, like, I've never once heard him say, oh, I have to be better, I have to be better. Cora, meanwhile, he's saying like this is on me. I'm the manager. It is my job to build to like to put together a winning team. Chris Sale should have pitched at night. You pitch Chris Sale in the night and you steal one that way, and then you and then you and then you kind of work on the on game one. You know, you throw Velasquez out there for three four innings to start the darn thing, and then you kind of let the bullpen kind of piece it together. The kid, you know, the kid should have been brought up brought up for game one. I'm speaking of Darwin's and Hernandez and Lakins. Throw them in game one instead of game instead of the nightcap because in the nightcap, if you lose the day game, you're already under the gun, and, and that's a lot of pressure for those kids. But you know what? Look, 
uh, it, it, it is what it is. I'm happy to happy the Red Sox got the sweep at Tampa Bay. You know, they took two steps back, but if they, you know, they could, if they take these next two games in Detroit, you know, we get Tampa Bay coming in and we, we, you know, if we could beat them like a drum again, you know, you're right back in business. Yeah. And not for nothing, the Tigers actually are actually off to a decent start. They're not bad. 12 and 10, a game and a half out of, uh, out of first in the central, which, uh, is probably the worst division in baseball. Let's sure. Be honest. But they're not bad. They're not a bad squad. Ma- Matthew Boyd has start has not Baltimore. A- yeah, absolutely not. Matthew Boyd has has mastered his slider. They still the Tigers. They still have Nick Castellanos is a great hitter. Right. Miguel Cabrera, despite declining with age, he's still Miguel Cabrera. Yeah, I mean, he's going to collect what 120 to 150 hits this year. Uh, maybe less. Maybe maybe less. But I, I, I'd say I'd say 150 is the mark he should aim for. I mean, I mean. But he's Miguel Cabrera, and he's going to get his yeah, hits. Yeah, and, and uh, Heimer Candelario, he, he's a, he was an all-star last year, wasn't he? Uh, I I believe so. Yeah, I, th- I think he was Detroit's representative at the all-star game. But look, if you if you leave a slider hanging to Cabrera, he's going to hammer it, just like he always does, you know what I mean? And that's what they did. Yeah. Uh, long story short, the Red Sox, I mean, I thought that game one aside, they, they put up a good fight in game two in the Bronx. Both teams as a whole need to be better, and, this, and I have a feeling that this, How can you complain? Well, I was going to say this series was, I think, a teaser for for like a tighter one coming down the line. I hope so. Yeah, because because we don't play each other for a while. No, I don't think we play each other till the end of May. Yeah, we we got time. The end of May, and then it's and then it's June or July after that. All right. Next up on the docket, we got Red Sox pitching. Oh. Set the timer for seven minutes, please, Studio Monkey. Okay, there we go. All right. So as as far as I'm concerned, as I look at it. Everyone except Purcello in the rotation is turning the corner. Ivaldi, I think, was starting to turn the corner before yeah, he went his, down. His he, start against the Yankees was the best he's looked all season. Right. Like, he, like they were because even though the Yankees should know the guy like a book. Yeah, they really should. He he, he has reinvented himself enough, you know, developing the the splitter, right, the the cutter, the two seamer with the rays, so that any scouting reports they had on him since he left them. Or 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 proceeding when he left him, they're only going to do so much. When he's on, he's a really he's a real embarrassment of riches guy. You know, yeah. he has so many. He has all he has a lot of different weapons that they could hurt you with. Uh, Erod, look, but uh, Eduardo Rodriguez owns a three point seven five ERA in his last two starts. He, he's going tonight, isn't he? He is going tonight. Yeah, yeah. La- Seven o'clock. La- last I checked, the re- they were scoreless after an inning. Okay, yeah. so thank God. <laughs> uh, uh, but the price has been price has been pretty consistent and pretty good all season. You know he's got a I think a two point seven eight or two point nine eight ERA. He's looked good. He's kept the Red Sox in in the games that he's pitched, which is important, especially with this lineup because it's really as far as I'm concerned only a matter of time before the lineup really kind of kicks in. Yeah, the, the lineup's going to turn on at some point. I mean Mookie's all Mookie's already starting to turn the corner. Turn the corner. Michael Chavis's bomb last night was a real shot. Well, that arm. that was that was a shot. That was. Yeah. That was an absolute bombo. Um, J uh, J D Martinez, I think, has cooled off a little bit. Moreland is going to do his yearly cool off after April or May. Yeah, but you know, Benintendi's starting to come on. He collected how's, three hits how, last how's night. How's his leg feeling? Because I know he, I know he had some trouble with that. Who Benintendi? Yeah, I mean he's back. Okay. Every I mean the every guy plays hurt. You know, I mean unless unless you can't play. Sure. You know, I mean look at the Yankees lineup. I can't imagine one guy on there is a hundred percent. You know. Uh, well, we'll get to that in a second. You know, but. <laughs> In sale for all his velocity issues and all the kind of learning new, you know, learning a new kind of who he is. His last outing was five innings pitched again, two runs and ten Ks. I I can't complain about that. Yeah, and uh, 
and <clears throat> excuse me, Ira just struck out Ronnie Rodriguez and Gordon Beckham to end the to end the second inning. Well, there you go. I mean, I like I said, I think Erod started to turn the corner. I do think their plan was to work themselves into shape in April. But either 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 way, you know. So all right, fine. Ivaldi got hurt. You know, you thought something clicked against the Yanks, but oh well. You know, there's nothing you can do about that. Guys get injured. I mean, you'll you'll be the first one to tell me, you know, that guys are going to get injured from time to time. He says it could be back, you know, earlier than six to eight weeks. But if the Sox don't make the playoffs, it's not it's not going to be because they missed Nathan Evaldi for two months. And even and even he's saying six to eight weeks. Like if if I'm a member of the Red Sox front office or the training staff, I'm telling him right now, like I don't care if you feel good after two weeks, you're sitting out six to eight weeks. Because Absolutely. I'm sorry, man, you've had Tommy John surgery twice. Absolutely, and you're and you and you look to be headed for a third. You know, it's... I mean, loose bodies because a loose body, I feel that's just like the non-clinical term for a bone spur. I feel or just like or maybe like a debridement thing. You know that that I couldn't say because I don't have that level of expertise. If he needed another Tommy John, they would have said so already. If it was a tear or something, I well, I, you know, I'm I'm going to take your word for it, even though you're not a doctor. I am not a doctor, and nobody should take his word for it for any sort any sort of medical advice. I am not a doctor. I have not consulted with Nathan Avaldi. <laughs> nobody sue me if he's out longer than six to eight weeks. Okay, moving on. But the problem's not really the starters, although it was at the beginning of the season. The problem is the bullpen. The problem's always been the bullpen. The problem's yeah. going to be the bullpen. The bullpen's going to have hot streaks, and it's going to have cold streaks but quite frankly they don't have guys who with any consistency can 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 shut other people down they don't have guys which shut down stuff out there with the exception of maybe brazier so they need other arms they need help and last night they called up two guys Darwins and Hernandez and Travis Lakins. Travis Lakins is from AAA Pawtucket. Darwins and Hernandez is a AA Portland. Here's their line last night. Go F- see you, dogs. Five innings pitched, eight hits, one walk, six Ks, one earned run. I'm going to say that again. Five innings pitched, eight hits, one base, one walk, six Ks, and one earned run. They've been better, as far as I'm concerned, at a 1.8 ERA than the bullpen's been all season. If you're looking for help, you got it in the organization, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, like, that... Because the the Red Sox right now are not going to pay Craig Kimbrell. No, I mean, I mean the only team they're that, not paying anybody. Yeah, the only team that has been that has been linked to Kimbrell in the past couple weeks has been the Brewers, and they just signed Gio Gonzalez. So I don't see them getting Kimbrell now. And Gio only got two million dollars. I mean, so, so does that? So is, yeah, I mean, so as a as a quick sidetrack, does that set the market for Keuchel? Is that all Keuchel's going to get? No, is he going to get one? Is he looking at one year, four million dollars? One year, five million dollars? No, because. Gio Gonzalez, he he pretty he could you could put him under under the 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 umbrella of guys who got hot as their contract year approached. Right. Dallas Keiko got figured out as his contract year approach. So yeah. it's, so it's the inverse of that. Um. But he still, I mean, yeah. he's he still does have a he still does have a pretty tremendous resume to go on. But they they say they're not going to do it for for the right guys. But look, you need a little help. You got you got guys out there the likes of Colton Brewer. He had a nice seventh inning on Sunday against the Rays, but then he comes in in the day night doubleheader in the first half and and coughs up three runs in a tie game. What you, you can't have that. Barnes gives up the Barnes coughs up the lead twice in Tampa. Twice, twice. I'm going to say it again. Twice he allows a, t- a tie. He allows the tying home run twice. And, ne- and never mind that they can't even. They, uh, you know, at, at, w- at some point I'm going to assume that somebody's glo- somebody's going to put a glove on one of his third strike curveballs. Good heavens! And then and then nobody's unbruised. 
No, like there's no guy who hasn't been touched up for for you know for 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 some serious runs or a game losing effort. You need the help. You've got the kids up. Uh, I, as far as I'm concerned, why not why not keep them there and, and give them a chance? Because the guy, quite frankly, the guys that are already there aren't really doing the job consistently. All right, so let, let me ask you this. One or the other, Travis Lakins or Darwinson Hernandez, you can only keep one on Lakins. the major. Lakins. Lakins. Okay. I'll tell you why I like Lakins. I like Lakins because um, – because his stu- he's he's a little more polished, even though okay. even though his his arm isn't quite as live as Hernandez's, he's a little more polished. I like his slider. Um, uh, you know he's he's got a fastball that he spots really well. I think uh, Hernandez is a little still a little raw. I think and could use a little bit more seasoning. You know maybe a nice you know spice rub or something like no but uh, I'm making a food joke but uh, but <laughs> but I I think I think Darwin's and Hernandez could could use I think he could use some more time down in the minors and then maybe come up as a midsummer call up so kind of kind of like Domingo Herman last year who like though he, he looked good at times he was still learning how to pitch right I think I, and I think there's a lot of that in Hernandez and I think he could benefit from more time and more a little bit more development but I think Lakins is he, he's at least worth a look for a while I mean give him Colton Brewer's innings because yeah. Colton Brewer ain't doing anything with him because Colton Brewer ain't doing anything with him. Ugh. Colton Brewer, very frustrated. All right, LaGreca, calm down. Very frustrating. Very right, frustrating. So now, uh, I'm very frustrated right now, Josh. We got a we got a five minute timer set to go. All right, hit me. And we got to talk about the Yankees injuries. Now hold <laughs> hold on. I, 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 I got I got to do this first before I actually start talking because it's been building up for a while. All right. Is all that right. because of all the Red Sox talk today, or <laughs> no? It's. It... It's it's, it's, it's <laughs> no. It's because it's, it's be- got to be maddening, though, Josh. Right? It is maddening because the Yankees—they're like the guy from Operation right now, folks. They cannot stay healthy. <laughs> now we got some good news tonight. Gary Sanchez is back after hey. after a brief absence from a from a calf strain. Um, part of me is a little skittish because it's like because you know he came back from an injury last year, played two games, was out another month after missing a month already. But no, I mean, he took batting practice. He says he feels good. He caught a bullpen session, caught a game at at a A level Charleston without issue, uh, besides a couple of passed balls. Uh, we got a notification during the show from Brian Hoke of MLB.com that Giancarlo Stanton's strained biceps is healed, but he had a cortisone shot in his shoulder during the healing process. So now he's just got to take some swings and get loose. Oof. So he's not going to be available during the spring trip. It looks like this a West Coast trip. It looks like. Aaron Judge is out with an oblique strain. Just got something that Clint Frazier, who seemed to be our saving grace, he's getting an MRI on his sprained ankle right now that he that he t- rolled the other night. But he says he feels good. But uh, it's – I don't want to say it's the training staff's fault, Paul E.D. Right. But with, Something's up. With all of these injuries that have been going on, Brian Cashman was on Francesa the other day saying that they didn't change anything in the training style. Right. Maybe maybe everyone's more injury prone, trying to hit home runs now. But at some point, you need to like sit down with the training staff, or the training staff has to sit down and say, "Whatever we're doing, we need to adjust." Right. You just and need, considering you need to make some change. And given, some change. And given the amount of injuries that have happened during spring since the start of the season, that adjustment. Hopefully it's it's coming soon. I I mean I I I hope it's it's been it's almost been uncanny. It's 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 every other day it seems that somebody in the in that Yankees lineup goes down. Clint Frazier, I I couldn't even believe it, you know. But um, uh, it, it's it, what's impressive to me though is the next man upness. 
ab- yeah. that the Yankees it, have. One thing that is very clear to me compared to last year, because Judge and Sanchez and everyone went down at the same time last year, and, the, and then there were slumps and everyone just kind of rolled over and died. Right. Because uh, if you read that book, Inside the Empire, by uh, Bob Klapish and Paul Solitaroff, I mean, they say, like, the loss of Judge really impacted the team because, like, yeah, he's the leader of the of the, of the team. And even though he's there recovering, like, getting treatment on his injury, it's not the same if the general isn't out there on the field with his troops, you know? Yeah, of course. But I think that this team, they've kind of, like, I'm, I'm knocking on the wood on the desk right here. Sure. That this team seems to have learned from that experience last year. And, like, we saw it in uh, the day after Judge got hurt against the Royals. They're, they're putting less focus on power. More on just getting on base, lots of contact hitting, which which I love. Move the line, yeah. Just move, move the, the line. line, keep it going. That's but, what the Red Sox did last year. Like uh, my my wife Caitlin and I were watching we're watching the game or watching a game at some point this week. The, the Yankees had a runner on third with I think less than two outs, and I said, "Come on, fly ball, sack fly." She goes, "No, why not a hit?" I said, "Look, fly ball to the outfield. That scores the run." There you go. Just Tra- get the trade run. trade the out for the run. Get the run in. Just get the run. Yeah. If it's there, if it's there, take it. You know. But I I, I will say this: it seems like there's something. It seems like there's a little something special brewing in the Bronx this year. Well, I, it seems it's you know the next man upness brings thoughts of mind to to some of the Patriots, real underdog looking teams where guys just kind of step up and they really come out of nowhere and you win ball games and you just keep winning and nobody knows how it happens because guys keep getting injured. This makes me think a lot of uh, Aaron Boone's uh, end of season press conference last year where he said like the two things he had to work on the most were getting information to players and communicating with his coaches. Right. Because in the book, last year, he pretty much let Marcus Timms and Larry Rothschild have full autonomy over their departments. He chipped in when necessary, but largely he goes, this is your domain, you do it. Right now, it's very clear that based on the last few games alone, since losing Judge, and we'll throw and we'll throw in uh, the Friday night game in there too, Right. it seems that Boone has said to Marcus Timms specifically, because the starters have looked great. They, they've yeah. both, the Yankee starters like, over the last seven or eight games have posted a sub two ERA. That's and they're not and they and they were they were probably not going to be your problem going on anyway. I mean, I was a little skittish because you know you don't know how the lack of a big lineup behind them affects the mental the mental psyche of pitchers on the mound. Sure, but, but if, like but Mike, once Mike, once the runs get posted, who cares? Yeah, uh, but it, it's just nice having that feeling, knowing that your lineup, one way or another, has your back. Right, right, right. But I think that because the lineup has been playing so well under this new contact hitting approach, the pitchers have a little extra bounce in their step. And then Boone, going back to going back to him, I wouldn't be shocked if he said to Marcus Timms, you know what, let's put a focus on hitting the right field at home. Let's get the ball in play, not so much out of the park. Let's right. get let's get back to the basics. Right. Just like after. Um, uh, there was a game early last year where the Yankees made like a bunch of errors in the field, and the next afternoon, Boone holds a full infield practice. Sure. Well, that's what we got to do. We obviously have to review the fundamentals. <laughs> yeah. Last thing I'll say on this, because I know we're running short on time. Uh, the one problem I have with Boone is that like I'd like to see him get a little mad in press conferences. Maybe that's just not how he is. Yeah, he might, that just might be his style. Yeah. Um, because like he'll curse and he'll bark at the umpire, but like in terms of throwing guys under the bus, I do appreciate how he can maintain a level head during pressers after bad losses, even if it manifests as complacency. Does that make sense? That does. I, I'll, I think you've got something special, Bruin. You may be right. I'm. I. I might just might be. I. You know. It's. All right, well, now it is time for your favorite part of the show, Paulie D. <laughs> oh, what what time is it? I mean, it's it's a victory lap at this point, isn't it? Isn't it a victory lap? <laughs> the injury bug bit bird. More like the injury tick. 
because <laughs> like the injury tick because it just stays there and it and it needs to be shaken off or something. You need to raise the temperature. Greg Bird, ladies degrees. and gentlemen, I I remember watching this injury too. This was against the White Sox. <laughs> what happened? He was running out of he was running out of ground ball, I think, or, or running out something, and you could see. He kind of winced as he was running running to uh, first base. Torn plantar fascia uh, in a walking boot probably till the end of this week. Then he's going to be reevaluated. Boone said he's going to be out about a month. But it's okay because Luke Voigt, three dingers in the last two games. Sure. Why not? You know, At I, this point, why not? Like, that's why I think, you know, it's the the Yankees have may have the makings of something special. If they, you know, if they they're 13 and 10 now and and and, and given all the injuries, that's as that's that's pretty good. I think they just have to play 500 ball and wait for reinforcements. But yeah, I mean, but Bird's not out of the bird watch. I mean, it, I mean, it, he's not out. I mean, Voigt's definitely a liability at first base, even though he made a great play the right. other night. But yeah, Devers makes a great play every now and then. Yeah, but, but there's no denying he's a liability we're, we're in the, the field. We're at the point now where the best bat has to, especially right now, best bat has to be bat has to be it. So uh, I am going to go ahead and concede bird watch. Uh, Paulie D, I'm going to give you 30 seconds to uh, make to give you get some trash talk in. You know, JB, it was it was it was easy to to cozen you into picking Greg Bird. I know you're a big Bird fan, and and just to watch the look on your face week in and week out as Bird continued to fail, uh, in, re- in you know relative to Luke Voigt, into 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 watch my guy finally emerge not only as the Yankees' first baseman of the present, but also the Yankees' first baseman. Of the future, Luke Voigt, ladies and gentlemen, for president in 2020, and then we're gonna take the White House, and we're gonna take okay, the Congress. Your, your time's up. No oh, more. All right. All right. All right. All right. Sorry about this. All right, Doctor Dean, go away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, but it's at the point now where you've got you got Mike Ford, who's actually looked really good coming sure. up. Like he, like even though his batting average isn't quite manifesting it, the guy is making a lot of hard contact. Right. It's it, it, look, it, Bert, Voigt He's won. He's putting together some great at bats too. Voigt won for now. Voight won for now, for but, now. but I think that very it, much for now. Voight won for now, very much, but I think that uh, let's say two weeks from now, right? Because like the, the plan was to have DJ LeMahieu be your backup first baseman, yeah, right with the Andujar injury. Now Andujar is supposed to be back soon too. Apparently, he's been throwing from third base. He's been taking batting practice, but I think right now you're at the point where if Ford continues to swing the bat well while Bird is gone. You need to put Bird in the Myers and keep Ford around because despite like maybe he's a streaky hitter, sure, but undrafted free agent, he's got a lot of hard contact coming up in the majors. Down in AAA, he was batting over 400 with five with I think four home runs or five home runs. That's crazy. Numbers. Ten games. That's that's pretty crazy numbers. So I think that you need to keep him around just because you need the bat, you need the firepower. Yeah, and and this way you have a lefty bat off the bench. Right. Um, I think I think it's wholly possible that if Bird comes back and starts tearing the cover off the ball, that you know, in, in the minors or elsewhere, that he could he could come up and steal Voigt's job. Voigt's only batting about two thirty, two thirty five. Yeah, but he start he's starting to like get that groove again. He's he, he started maybe. He, I mean, look at the last couple of games he has been. But if he has a ten game cold streak, it's 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 right back in play. One thing I've noticed. It's not like he's. What I'm trying to say is, it's not like he's batting three eighty. You know? No, no, no. Of course not. But one thing I've noticed with Void is that much like the rest of the team, he's adjusted well yeah. to not to like not having as much protection in the lineup. Yeah, um, he's putting together better at bats. He kind of got boned on a call by Bill Welke last night that 
to me looked low and away. I don't think the umpiring has been great. Although I'm a I'm a very bitter the, the Red umpire, Sox fan. The right umpiring now. last night for the Yankees at least was far superior to Mike Everett's zone um, in the 14 inning game because that oh god he was all over the place right uh, to the point where I thought Boone was going to get tossed. Yeah, I have seen I in a couple games now, and it's maybe maybe it's because I'm watching you know each and every game a bit more closely. But it, it you know with certain umpires it does seem that the strike zone is a bit more variable. Than it should be. Yeah, I mean, depending I mean, on. I mean, depending well, on who's next show play. we should talk about umpiring because because yeah, like, happy because I thought the Yankees were on the hand, were on the receiving end of some terrible umpiring last year. I I actually thought the Red Sox had been on the 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 receiving end of some less than stellar balls and strikes uh, this year. But you know, I mean, look, Voit, like I said, Voit won for now. Voit's Voit's got the title for a month, but somebody could come in and take it. That's kind of where I'm at with this. That's very fair. Um, I think that look. It's Voight's job to lose right now. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like, it's like you. It's like you said early on. All Voight has to do right now that he has won the job right. is hold serve. It's play decent defense. Yeah, and, and hit. He's he's got to play decent defense beyond uh, just just like diving for something that's about to go down the line. But, like he booted a routine grounder the other day that like I wanted to shoot him. But that can't. But that can't. Um, obviously, we don't mean that literally. But that can't. Um, but that can't happen. It's those routine plays that he's got to make. He's got to make it look, if not easy, at least comfortable out there. You know what I mean? Um, but I don't know. Yeah. But then, but then a report comes in that uh, Greg, that Greg Bird's helped again. This is Luke Voigt right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh my God, I got to do this again. I thought I beat this guy, but like a White Walker, Greg Bird comes back from the proverbial baseball dead. All right, we got some we got some last minute quick hitters for the last few minutes of the show. Oh my god. All right, Paulie D, so let's rattle down these and then we'll uh, actually we got 10 we got 10 minutes. So let so I'm going to set a clock for for 7 minutes here. All right. No, please don't. This is this is about how my predictions are terrible. <laughs> this is all about how my predictions are terrible. All right, go go ahead. So, uh, first up, uh but my first I had three major predictions um in our predictions episode um in our in our in our opening you know opening day episode and one of them was Blake Swihart wins the starting catcher's job. Survey says, oh, bump bump, exactly right or bump 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 bump. <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a joke. It's a joke. You know, I think Blake Swihart to a certain extent was done pretty dirty. Uh, by the Red Sox organization. Yeah, he, he he should have had so many more opportunities than he actually had. I I, I believe that as well. Because uh, he's had a rough he had a rough go of it. In Boston. Switch hitter, right? Uh, or, or like a left- I, I forget. No, he's the lefty. Yeah, but either way, there this guy he he should have had every opportunity in the world to be Jason Veritek 2.0. Now, um, what happened to Blake Swayhart, Paulie D? Blake Swihart was recently dealt to Arizona for a ham sandwich, and Arizona, quote-unquote, won't use him as catcher right away. Yeah, he was in the outfield last night, I Per think. Nick Picoro of the Arizona Republic. They like his bat. Yeah, and, uh, and, I did, and, and that I, part I, especially. Right, and I did too. And I and I liked Blake Swihart's bat, and I think he does a, you know, there's Dave Dombrowski is, I think, on the record as saying, we want he deserves to play every day. We or something to the effect of that we want him to play every day, and he's not going to here. And I think part of that is the pitching staff wanted Sandy Leon back, or maybe one member of the pitching staff wanted Sandy Leon back, although no, that's not confirmed at all. And the other part of it is that, quite frankly, Christian Vasquez is having a good year. Uh, he's having a good year defensively. He's having a yeah. good year. He's having a good year offensively. You know, he's hitting. He's hitting for power. He's not really hitting for average so much, but I think he's selling out for power anyway. Um, 
you know, so I, Blake Swihart, it, it was just, it was all jammed up, I think, at catcher for the Red Sox, and there was really nowhere else to put him unless you want to use him as a utility guy once or twice a week, and I don't think they wanted to do that to him. So that that so that prediction went, you know, by yeah, the... Yeah. That, that, that was a bad prediction. That was a bad take. <laughs> All right. Next, that was a bad take. Next up, what do you got? Eduardo Rodriguez is in the Cy Young conversation at some point during the year. Survey says... Probably wrong. It's, 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 I'm a jerk today. I'm sorry, it's, folks. It's, no, it's probably wrong. Uh, he's probably not going to have uh, – he's probably not going to be discussed for, for the Cy Young at all this, this year. I was hoping this year would finally be his breakout year, but um, but it's it doesn't look that way. Uh, but he could. I think he could still put together a really nice season. And like I said, I think he has turned the corner. And at least in early action against Detroit, he's he's looked pretty good. Yeah, I mean, every baseball fan worth their weight in gold. I know you remember this since he's a former Red Sox in 1998 when Roger Clemens he's five and five at one point in the year, and then just goes on goes undefeated the rest of the way to right. win 20 games and to Cy Young. You know, it's not unheard of. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't with think Eduardo it's going to Rodriguez. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen with Erod per se. But like, but. Anything's possible. Anything is possible. It's probably wrong. Yeah, but I do have one. I did. I batted like like I did in little league. I batted three thirty three. All right. And what was this prediction? The the Red Sox will need and obtain bullpen help. Survey says. Hey, there There you go. go. Uh, Darwin's and Hernandez and Travis Lakins uh, were were called up for fourth on uh, on uh, April twenty third. So April April twenty third, twenty nineteen. Yesterday. Yeah, so this yeah because we're taping on a Wednesday. And the nightcap of the day night day uh, day night header against Detroit again. I'm going to say it again. Their their line was five innings pitched, eight hits, one walk, six Ks, and an earned run. And that, that that's a 1.8 ERA, and it's yeah, better than the bullpen's been all season. There, there are going to be some guys who are who are nitpicking. Oh, like you never want to give up more hits than you do innings pitched. I don't care. But yeah, it, it, exactly because you yeah because six strikeouts that's great. One walk, excellent control. One earned run against the Detroit team that, when it wants to, can put a lot of points on the board. Right. Uh, or runs on the board, rather, because this is baseball. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Yeah. We, we, it's, all, we um, all say things. Yeah, it was... Yeah, this is exactly what the Red Sox needed. The bullpen needed the shot in the arm. They needed, some, they needed something, or at least somebody present, to let the guys know that your jobs aren't safe and you need to step it up. Yeah. If, like, that's, like, if that's literally all they're there for, I don't care. Then you know if somebody if somebody can light a fire under Colton Brewer and, and Walden and 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 Barnes and Brazier, I mean that's 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 all that we need. And plus we got Durbin Feltman. He's currently pitching to a 4.5 ERA in Double A Portland with eight Ks and six innings and a batting average against of now wait for it JB a buck five. Really, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. A lot of a lot, you know, a lot of the a lot of the Red Sox Twitterati who were in the know really, really liked Urban Feltman. Uh, the more I look at him, the more I like him, and the more I think he could be coming up this year. Uh, but we'll see. I like I said, I think Lakins is the one to stay for the short term, I'm, I'm and I curious. think Hernandez is later. I'm curious. So Durbin Feltman, I mean, he batting average against of a buck five, but he's got that four point five zero ERA. So are, are the hits he giving up just home runs? Or? I think it's I I don't know precisely what it is. I he's given up one home run. He's given up three runs in six innings pitched. So it's I think uh, okay. So it's, the, so the sample size is small. The sample okay. size the sample size is definitely small, but the batting average against is something you got to like. Yeah, along with the more Ks than innings pitched you gotta like that as well how old is he he's uh i think he's in his early 20s i want to say here, 22 I'm, here, I'm looking him up right now i want to say 22 
22. Just turned 22 on April 18th. Yeah, I did not know that. But yeah. I thought he was well, 22 or 23. Well, he's from Texas, and and the rule of prep baseball is if you want to get a pitcher, go to Texas. Right. Clemens, Syndergaard. You know, apparently, you know, he's got a re- he's, he's got a real live arm, and that's what the, that's what the bullpen needs. The bullpen bullpens need young live arms, and I think that's the way of yeah, not not the way of the future, but I think that's just the way things are right now in the game of baseball. It's the bullpens are going to be young live arms, and that's it. Yeah, older established guys, um, you know, they've got to perform, and 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 clubs aren't going to tolerate scuffling guys who scuffle out of the bullpen and give up leads in the eighth inning. They're that, just not. That's where the Yankees get it right because in the that bridge leading up to Chapman is full of guys who are just going to fool you. Adam adovino has got that slider. Right. Chad Green before he got sent down to the minors today, and when he's on, has great velocity. Right. Right. Um, Kane Lee throws a real great ball. Yeah. Dellen Batanzas, when he's back, he's got like 100 velocity, but then he can throw that really slow curve. Right. So, there is, so the best way to prepare for the Yankees bullpen, you can't. Right. Hope they're not buying the strike zone. Hope you've That's seen, all. Hope you've seen them before, and then hope you get a couple, put a couple good swings on them. And, and hope that Batanzas is wild. Well, that was the alarm. It's that time, Paulie D. Oh man. Yeah, I know. We I got we gotta do I gotta do Avengers tomorrow and then do Game of Thrones, so I'm gonna be a wreck in the next few days. But yep, that's all the time we have to, or today, folks. Special thanks to Elite Sports NY. Make sure to check out uh, elitesportsny.com to get the latest in New York sports, including all the columns from the brain of yours truly. Special thanks also to the QED and Astoria. Always a great time recording here. You can hit me up on Twitter at JB's World three two eight six and Pauly D. It's uh, at Pauly D Sports at Pauly D Sports. P- that's P A U L I E. Feel free to send us your questions and comments on anything we've discussed on the pod or whatever else happens to come to mind. Catch this and other episodes of You May Be Right podcast on EliteSportsNY.com, iTunes, Google Play Music, or whatever podcast uh, podcast service you use. Remember to search You May Be Right podcast for Pauly D. I'm JB, and you know what they say, Pauly D. What's that, JB? You may be wrong, but for all I know, you may be right. Thanks for listening, folks.